Welcome to The Kingstonian, a podcast that profiles individuals who are passionate about what they do for a living, about what organization they belong to, or simply passionate about the community they are a part of. Hello there and welcome. My name is Dave Cunningham. And today we are doing a live episode for the middle of November 2018. And we're very happy to have as our guest today, Jim Gilchrist, who is the radio voice of the Ontario Hockey League's Kingston Frontenac. Welcome, Jim. Thank you, Dave. Pleasure being here. You have done this sort of thing for 40 years, broadcasting hockey games. Yes, sir. 2,700 plus games. That's a lot of work. Some people call you the dean of the, the OHL <laughs> hockey broadcasters. What do you think of that moniker? Somebody asked me, uh, what does that mean? I said, just that I'm old. That's uh, <laughs> Basically, I'm old, yes. Uh, I'm, uh, I guess, pretty well, when you look around at uh, the broadcasters who are doing it now in the OHL, I have been doing it the longest, so I guess that's where the uh, the dean comes in, or the uh, as a fellow from Cornwall used to call me uh, here just recently, the Godfather. Now I think that's carrying it <laughs> that's carrying it a tad too far. There, I'll take the dean over the Godfather. Thank you very much. Now, does this title come with any benefits? Uh, no, absolutely none. So no, that's the okay. other thing too. <laughs> I'll gladly take it, but come on, give me give me some stuff here. It it does mean that you are passionate about what you do. If you're going to be doing this sort of thing for as long as you've been doing it, you have a passion for doing it. And we're going to cover a few different areas that I think the listeners would be interesting in finding out about how you do your job and some of the things that do come up. But let's go back to the beginning, and we were just talking about that before we went on the air. How did you get started? And is the radio come first, and then the hockey broadcasts or yeah hockey care the uh, broadcasting came first i got uh, as we i was just telling you off air here that started actually at a radio station in oshawa where i'm originally from whitby oshawa area and uh, started there when i was just in my last couple of years of high school and uh, just doing part-time work there at the radio station did everything a little bit of everything there and finally got a break going on air doing news weather every half hour or so and then uh, my big break though came just after i graduated from high school in 72 but a month after that an opening came up in the sports department the sports director took me on as assistant sports director and to help him out doing the oshawa generals games and that was in 1972 and I was there until uh, 1980 with the Generals and then came down here to Kingston when uh, here again it was just a happen chance uh, meeting with uh, Max Jackson uh, you want to talk Dean there's a there was a Dean right there of uh, broadcasting the Kingston Canadians games at the time we met at a uh, OHL banquet and uh, award ceremony in Toronto just the night before the OHL draft which they held in person now it's all done over the uh, computer of course but and was done in person there he said he was going to be leaving to the Kingston Canadian games because his wife unfortunately was quite ill with cancer at that time so he wanted to stay home more didn't want to travel around as much so put in a tape send down a tape here we go. This, this is a real-to-real This real is 1980, game. yes. And this isn't real-to-real. This was 1980. So send down a tape. He gave me uh, Carl Kogan was the gentleman's name, uh, program director at that time. So uh, send him the tape and uh, go from there. And uh, got a call back from Carl about uh, in August that time. Came down for an interview. And uh, a couple of days later, they phoned back to let me know that I got the job. So... 
Now, there have been various editions of the Kingston team over the years, so just run through those. Yep, it was. It started out in 73-74 in the OHA Major Junior A, as it was known at that time. Kingston Canadians had moved from Montreal Junior Canadians to uh, Kingston here by a group of businessmen here in town. And it was that way until uh, 89-90 when they became the, uh, or 88-89, pardon me, when they became the Kingston Raiders for one year because... All these gentlemen had sold the team to a gentleman from Peterborough, Luke Kozowski, and uh, he was threatening to move the team, that they weren't getting enough people in, and he was threatening to move the team all over the place. He didn't have anywhere in mind, I don't think, but he was threatening to move the team out of Kingston anyway. So uh, Ren Blair, who is organized with the old Eastern Pro Hockey League, Kingston Frontenacs, uh, and Bobby Addersley, who was that time was uh, mayor of my hometown of Whitby and a good friend of my father's, ironically enough. They combined and a few other local people to uh, buy the team back and get it to stay, keep it here in Kingston. And they became the Frontenacs, the old Eastern Professional Hockey League uh, name at that time. And uh, it's been like that ever since. Now, there's been a slight change, well, a major change, I guess you could say, as of last fall, where the station that you are broadcasting on is now different from the station you were doing the games on last year. Yep. And so you've got a wider coverage area to to look at. Yep. It was, uh, when I came here in 80, it was, uh, well, you were there with uh, the CFMK broadcasting there and the old CKWS AM station. So uh, then uh, Chorus came in a few years later to buy it up and it stayed that way right through. But we, uh, I guess they left the stations back in, uh, or left the hockey team back in about, uh, well, nine years ago before this season. So it was up for grabs and the station out of Napanee, my FM Napanee, uh, came in and uh, did an outstanding job. I was very happy with them. They were very good to me, and uh, I hope I was good to them back again, and they were sorry to see me go, I know. But uh, it was just this past summer that uh, Chorus Entertainment came back and made a a great offer to the hockey team, and it was just too good to turn down for them, so they've gone back to Chorus here now. You are in a a relatively interesting position to have analyzed the way the game has been played over these 40-odd years to get a sense of how the OHL has evolved. Can you Give us some sense as to whether there's been a kind of an, any kind of change in the in the league and the way the game's played. Yeah, just uh, right now it's it's a business, twenty four seven and uh, twelve months a year. Before it was just during the hockey season it would start up in September. You played uh, eight or ten uh, exhibition games, and then the uh, season would start about the second last week in September. You'd go to mid March, and then the playoffs would start. Once you were out, well, then that was it for the season, and uh, you wouldn't see one another or wouldn't have anything to do with a hockey team until probably about mid or late August when the guys are starting to filter back into town and training camp opens always around Labor Day weekend, somewhere around in there. But now there's just so much going on with the drafts going on. OHL draft is in uh, the spring, then the NHL draft with some of your guys being drafted away or in June. So now it's it's a business, and that's uh, all these major junior A teams now in the OHL. It's a, it's a business 24-7 and 12 months a year. What about the on-air, on-ice game? 
Oh, it's uh, Matty. It's, uh, we'd be here till uh, midnight mentioning all the things there about uh, the changes. You know, the rule changes. Uh, just the size of the kids nowadays are just uh, enormous. Like I, I was hoping I would be the size of the kids here these days back in in high school when I was just not much taller than what I am right now. Boy, uh, the average size and weight of uh, your junior players now are you know at least six foot two hundred. Back uh, back then, seventy two. It was about my size here, 5'5", five, five, and uh, a little bit of nothing, you know, soaking wet. So it's, it has gone that way where it is, and the speed of the game, the dynamics of it, uh, you know, the, the broadcasting, everything else there, it's just uh, nonstop. But I think uh, a huge change, and uh, I mentioned this to you the other day when we were having coffee, was uh, a trainer now is an athletic therapist, and he's almost a doctor, pretty well a doctor nowadays. Mm-hmm. Then back in even 80 and earlier back in 72 when I first started with Oshawa, trainer of the team was just kind of a part-time guy who was you know he had a full-time job and he did this kind of on the side and he was good with band-aids and uh, you know splinting and think something up until the doctor could come in to see what was really wrong with the guy but now it's now with concussions and everything else these athletic therapists have a degree and everything else and they are they are very well qualified players are bigger and faster what about the skill level of the players these days as compared with years ago yeah, I think right now I, I'm seeing the last couple of years the, in just the OHL, I don't think it's as good. It kind of goes in cycles every year, and, and same with the team. Right now we're struggling a bit because last year we had a very good team, went right to the Eastern Conference Finals with the OHL, and then we lost our number one goaltender and about four of our top six point getters from the league, either to graduation because of age or they've gone on to pro hockey somewhere. So that happens in the OHL pretty well about on a three-year cycle so you can be looking forward to be in a rebuilding position about every three to four years pretty well that cycle but it's uh, yeah it it's gone you know it's as I say you really rebuild that way and you try to build up to you know keep your fan base there but but they know that you know we went for it kind of last year they're all out to kind of go for it you know it's uh, the general manager at that time admitted that you know he's kind of damned if he doesn't uh, damned if he do because if it backfires on you which unfortunately it did that uh, then you lose a lot of players but uh, at the on the other hand if he had won all this well like Hamilton did well and they did pretty well the same thing too they traded away a lot of their big players and they've lost a lot of big stars as well let's come back and put you on the bus and describe for our listeners what kind of uh, distance you have to travel with the teams that the Kingston Frontenacs play. Because you do all the away games as well. Yeah, travel on the bus and uh, have, as we say, I've, uh, somebody asked me last uh, spring here, well, Doug Jeffries from CKWS-TV, when we were doing an interview, unfortunately, after the Humboldt uh, crash out in Saskatchewan, that uh, asked me how many miles I figure that I've uh, ridden on the, a team bus, and I, I couldn't even begin, I don't think, to figure that out millions let's put it that way so if i only had a dollar for every mile on that bus i, I wouldn't be sitting here today i'm sorry dave no, yeah. <laughs> we'd be doing it on a phone from uh, you know bahamas or florida or somewhere to be for- very honest with you but yeah sault ste marie is the furthest north they tie that in with a trip to sudbury and north bay and uh with then now we go into the states as well into flint and saginaw michigan there's a song there, isn't there? Second, yeah, yeah, and uh, also song. Yeah. at Erie, Pennsylvania, as well. So, uh, 
stay That's away from That's a lot of driving. Yeah, our uh, bus driver that we've had, Rob Cook, for over 20, 25 years, uh, an outstanding job and, and not one incident, thank God, even close to anything. There's been a lot of storms, et cetera, where you're going, you know, what are we doing out here in the middle of this? But it's he gets through it. He's been fantastic. You need a guy who knows what he's doing. He sure does. We were talking about the players that are in the league right now. Let's talk about the road trips and the eating I that can't goes talk on. About those things. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about I'll the meals the names, that you okay, guys. Yeah, um, you guys must eat a lot on the road. Well, they do. I, yeah. you know, I, I have my fare, but boy, to see these guys, you know, you're talking at least twenty to twenty-four players, and the size of these kids and the way they eat, it's just unbelievable. It's uh, I can imagine these pro teams and pro football teams, the the amount of food they put away. But these guys do a great job as well. But one thing I will say, and it's always been this way with uh, the Springer family, anyway. Doug Springer owns the Frontenacs. We get the absolute best hotel accommodations and food arrangements on the road, both before and after games. And sometimes we're gone from a Thursday to a Sunday, so you're in a hotel for three days or so. So three meals a day pretty well in a hotel. Nothing but the best. A lot of chicken parm and uh, everything else. (laughs) But, uh, you know, nothing but the best. I cannot complain whatsoever about the accommodations or the food that we get on the road. For those people who may not be aware, the the kids who play in this particular league, describe them age-wise. They're anywhere from 16 to uh, 20. Uh, Your overage players, as they're called, are 20 years old. You're allowed three of those on a team. And uh, once you are playing that last year of uh, 20 years old, you can go to the professional leagues, or if you've been drafted by a pro team, then you go to their NHL team if you're lucky, or one of their American Hockey League affiliates. But uh, if you haven't been drafted, then you're free to go. You're a free agent. You go wherever a lot. Go to Canadian college team, etc. But uh, that's pretty well the age group that you're looking at, 16 to 20. So these kids would be in high school and college university. Yeah, 16, uh, 17-year-olds, and then the 18, 19-year-olds. We've had guys going in their first year at Queens here or uh, St. Lawrence College. So a lot of these people would be from out of town who would be billeted with families? Is that the way Yeah, that's been going on for years. Huge part of these guys' uh, lives are kind of your second family, and they're... uh, a lot have been repeat uh, billet families for years. There are some there still now that uh, billeted back in the Kingston Canadian days, back in the 70s and the 80s. Mm-hmm. You mentioned trainers before when we were talking about some of the changes that have come about over the 40-odd years you've been doing this. One of the issues that you hear a lot about in the news, whether you know hockey or not, is the whole issue of concussions and the diagnosis of concussions and what the teams have to do with the players when that happens or when they suspect it happens. Yeah. How has that changed? Yeah, very well, tremendously. That's been probably the best change that uh, has occurred over the years. Years ago, you had guys who they get a hit on the head or in between periods, they have a bit of a headache, take a couple of aspirin, and you're right back out there. You know, <laughs> talk to the old pro hockey players of years ago, back in the 60s, 70s. They said, Yeah, we've probably had a few, but just got a pill from the trainer, and away you went. You went back out there you couldn't uh, afford to take time off because at that time in the old six-team NHL there was always guys just waiting for somebody to get hurt or retire somebody and there was somebody right there to take your job away from you so right now it's 
it's huge that way and they really watch that very closely if they suspect a kid has a concussion or has been hit in the head either with a check or a puck or a stick or whatever they go back to what they call a quiet room it's really part of the dressing room stay in there for a good half hour to an hour at least and uh, just they put him through a whole test you know ask him his name where are you uh, all sorts of simple questions and depending on what kind of answers they're getting back then uh, either he can go back out and play and if they're not the answers that <laughs> they expect back from him then he's staying there he's not going back out under the More follow-up yeah yeah okay you mentioned max jackson before you mentioned doug jeffries when we were talking earlier and for those of us who have been around kingston a long time max <laughs> jackson's name is one that you would know for sure oh yeah. Uh, yeah he i remember him coming in to do a sportscast on radio at 6 o'clock in the morning and ending his day by doing the late TV sports at 11 o'clock and coming in and out yep. all day long yep. and doing the hockey games. Uh, Doug, I hear, and I don't know Doug very well, but I hear from other people that Doug has a reputation, like Max did, of promoting local sports and giving them the highlights that they deserve when he's talking on radio or television. Tell us about yeah, those two. Yeah, tremendous. Uh, Max was just great when I first came here. I couldn't believe the hours he was putting in and then I did pretty well the same thing I was in early in the morning did a six to about noon hour shift then do the hockey game and uh, management kind of changed around and so one day uh, one of the new managers came in and he said okay he says explain this to me now he says you're in at six o'clock in the morning you're here until noon you do the early morning sports every half hour then you do the noon hour sports then you get on a bus you go up to Peterborough you get back at one o'clock in the morning you get back in here at six o'clock then that Friday night you do a home game as well besides all this and I said yeah he said that's inhumane he says that stops here now so but it was it was just the job you did that and you you just went ahead and did it and uh, it didn't really hit me until you say you had three games in uh, on a weekend Friday Saturday Sunday and I had pretty well Mondays were my day off day off that was it and then uh, you'd be right back at it on a Tuesday. But that was your job. You did it. What about Doug? What's his reputation uh, around great, town? Yeah, sorry, I got kind of uh, derailed there. But the uh, local sports, Max was just tremendous at that for years. Dougie, same way. He and Mike Postovit really promote the, the local sports, and especially at the high school, Queens here, and St. Lawrence level, everything like that, especially in the lower parts of it. Sure, they cover the Frontenacs, of course, and the Voyagers and hockey, but also do a lot as far uh, high school and uh, university and college sports are concerned too. Okay, uh, we're getting near the end of the program, and I thought I would do what I call a lightning round. So these are just off the top of your head questions. <laughs> and we didn't brief you on this in advance. <laughs> no. um, favorite NHL team? Leafs. The Leafs. No debate, just the Leafs. Have been since the early, mid-60s. Dickie Duff was my favorite player. That goes back a ways. Thank you, Dave. Yes, thank you. Okay, <laughs> carry on. This isn't lightning. There's a okay. bit of thunder coming in here now. <laughs> Aside from the reg the players who are on the team right now, yeah. your uh, favorite former Frontenac slash Raider slash Canadian? Chris Clifford. Chris Clifford. He's now a well-known lawyer in town. Goalie? Yes, First goaltender in OHL history to score a goal, and I called it. Did you? Yes, sir. Hmm. Favorite activity on the bus when you're doing the big trip? Uh, reading. Any kind of book? Uh, mostly uh, sports. <laughs> sports books. Toronto Sun Sports, the, the best, and uh, Hockey News magazine. 
How many cups of coffee a day when you're on a game day? Ooh, well, I start out with two in the morning at home, and then when I get to the game, uh, just before the game, have one. And also, uh, Paul Watts, my color guy, brings me a, a coffee at the end of the uh, first period, just before the second uh, period starts. So only two or three tops. And the last question, favorite meal when you're on the road? Uh, chicken parm, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't so tough. I, I know. Well, it could have been tougher, but tougher, you know. Okay. And that will just about do it for our program today, Jim. It's Fantastic. been a pleasure. Been great. Enjoy the program. Enjoyed it very much. Yeah. yeah. Good conversation. All right, sir. You take care. Uh, be safe on the road and enjoy yourself. And thanks very much again. David, thanks very much. Hope we can do it again sometime. All righty. Theme music for the program is Stasis Oasis, a tune written and performed by Kingston musician Jim Aylesworth. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions about any of our episodes, please send a note to the Kingstonian Podcast Facebook page. This is Dave Cunningham from Kingston, Ontario. Thank you for listening. Until next time.